on the streets. Many more people got to hear the fact that God loves them and God's got an awesome plan for their life. And I tell you, some of the people that, that we spoke to down at Haymarket, we spoke to somebody who, who, who said, thank you so much. I've just come out of the military. And to know that, that God's got a plan and purpose for my life is, is brilliant. Another person who, who's, as Winifred said, when your God has touched their life, because sometimes you say those words can almost like wash over people. One guy, another guy who was coming out of a hotel and the person that I was with um, who just stops, I want to tell you that God loves you and God's got a plan for your life. And his face changed. It lit up in that moment as something of God's seed just dropped into, into his heart. There was a, another person who we actually stopped, talked to, who, who the guy said, um, Ian that I was with said to him, do you know that God loves you and God's got an awesome plan for your life? He said, yes, I do. I'm a Christian. So he went away encouraged and rejoicing that other believers are out in the street sharing the good news of Jesus. There was another group of guys just around about Haymarket Station that we, you know, around about their 20s. And there was one boy and he was absolutely off his face. You know what I mean? You know, there was a gang of them that was, that was there. There was one boy who had scratches all up the back of his neck and stuff. I thought, you guys have been kind of into it over the weekend, over last night. And they were, they were heading back to Lanark and... But the boy who, who was off his face, I, I began talking to him um, because I like to go and take out those who might be a distraction while the rest are doing it. You know, and he'd, he had Boys Brigade in his backstory, so I began to talk to him about that. And he said, you know, I, I used to be told about God's love. You know, and he's still, he's, he's all over the place. Then he gets, a, he gets his fag packet out and he's got money in it. He said, I want to give you something for God. So I don't know, we're not taking money. But there was a, a guy who, who, was, who was homeless who was in the streets uh, that was there and said, tell you what, why don't you give that to him? He's like, no, no, to be honest, I couldn't give. So in the state I'm in, he recognized the state that he was in. I couldn't, I couldn't in all honesty give that to him, but would you give it to him? So there was like paid forward, wasn't it? You know, in those moments. And there are hundreds of people today that God is on their radar. That he weren't. You know, you can never underestimate those, those little moments that can lead you into other things and seed that's sown. And then we're going to pray there's fruitfulness from, those, from, from that seed. So I just want to encourage you, church. When you are going about your week, when you are talking to people, you know, it's the easiest thing to slip into conversations. You know, God loves you and God's got a plan for your life. And then see where it goes. You know, beyond that, then the, the, the script asks, if you were to die tonight, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? You know, and the script just becomes a tool to help you form your questions to get them thinking about the things of God and be open to the stuff of the Holy Spirit. Um, but if you want to find out more about the turn and speak to myself, speak to Linda, speak to Sydney when he comes back from Chicago, speak to Chick um, when he's, he's feeling a bit better um, and we'll be able to, to give you an opportunity. You know, it's, it could be an hour that could change somebody else's life, but it could be an hour that could change your life too as you get a chance to put into practice the thing that's deep in the core of you when you know how good God is. When you've experienced his love, then there's something inside you that, that, that wants to share that with others, but sometimes we're too scared. Sometimes we don't feel as though we, we're, we're, we're good enough or able enough to do that, and this gives you some tools and skills and resources and confidence to be able to do that. So um, next one is the first Saturday. I think it's the 2nd of, 2nd of April. 6th, sorry, 6th of April. Um, so put that in your diary and, and come along. I just want to encourage you this morning from, from the Word of God. If you like, turn to Psalm 138. Psalm 138, which is the, the scripture that we're looking at as church, scripture that we're thinking about this year um, as a fellowship. We're not going to be in it all year, 
but certainly the, the starting months of the year, we're going to you know, mine the riches of this, of this scripture and of this, this word that is eternal, that is for now, but is also for our, for our future. As Elizabeth was sharing, you know, the, the, the words in the service that she sung, those things of, those words of Scripture that speak about the qualities of God that, that, that just built in and fed into her life, that was, she was coming, she was testifying of God's faithfulness in her, her backstory, testifying about God's goodness and faithfulness in the middle of stuff she was going through, but also at the same time testifying that God was going to continue to be with her beyond the stuff that she and her family were facing. Psalm 138, will we read together? Let's read the first three verses. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted, or some translations have it, you made me brave. This morning, I want us to be thinking about, just there at the end of verse 2, it says, I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. I want you to build into the, as we're thinking last week of what it was to be worshipping warriors, to have that posture of praise that's on our, that's on our knees, but to be worshipping warriors. I want to add another couple of arrows into the quiver for you to be able to fire. I want you to, to build up your spiritual arsenal and weaponry in God to enable you in moments of difficulty, in moments of challenge, in moments when you're not sure what to turn or what to do so that you know what to do in the things of God. And I want to encourage you as we look at King David's life, as he begins to, if you like, turn on a tap of praise that will overflow and spill out from his heart onto his lips and out into the atmosphere and into the, you know, into the earshot of those naturally, but those supernaturally that would be looking on. He starts by focusing on God. Now, that sounds really, really simple. I almost feel as though I should be coming with a, a wee apology that, that that's my first thing that I want to share with you this morning. But how often when trouble and potential trouble, temptation, difficulties, opposition, stuff happen, how quickly does our focus get off God? How quickly does it center on, on the problem, on the difficulty, on, on the challenge? How quickly do we lose sight that our number one thing is to praise God? As we praise God, as we focus on God, we begin to get heaven's perspective. We begin to think things God's way, see things God's way, be encouraged because we get God's heart, God's mind, and God's perspective. King David's reason to rejoice centers on the nature and on the character of God. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on, even on the condition of his heart or the hearts of those that are around about. It centers on the core of God, of who God is, the unshakable and unchanging character that reveals God's heart for mankind and that gives us a confidence in our, the reality of our lives that we can actually trust him with our everything. Hallelujah. 
Whether it's something that's massive, tidal wave of problems that wants to swamp us, whether it's something that's just little like a little stone that's in our shoe that's uncomfortable as we're walking. Or like yesterday, we bought some strawberries and there was some grit on them. Maybe you've been to the beach and had your sandwiches and all of a sudden there's a little bit of sand. Yeah, yeah, I can see face. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it's something that affects you. And sometimes our problems and our challenges can be like that. It's the little things. And remember, last week in church, we felt that some of the, the words that were being shared that God was interested in the little things as well as the big things. King David begins to praise God for his love and his faithfulness, for his commitment and his covenant. Our starting point in our relationship is that God is for us. The Bible also said, and if God is for me, who can be against me? But our starting point in our relationship is that God is God and that we aren't. But that God is for us. God is with us, totally commitment, committed to us. And that's made real through his covenant or his promise that he, he gives through scripture that is, fulfilled, that is spoken of and fulfilled in the Old Testament, fulfilled in King Jesus and made real to us as we are children of the new covenant as the Bible speaks about of the New Testament, the new promise of grace and mercy and forgiveness that's real in Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice. For David, when the, when the persecution came from the enemies that were all around, he chose to praise God for his love and for his faithfulness. When there was a pressure of work or of people, I mean, he was king, busy running a nation, wasn't he? And people looking for him all the time. When there's a pressure of work, he chose to praise God for his love and for his faithfulness. When there was the, the pride or the potential pride of promotion, you know, he was king and others weren't. It'd be good to begin to believe, you know, that I am great and others aren't, isn't it? But yet he chose to praise God for his love and for his faithfulness. It keeps you rooted, keeps you grounded, keeps you humble. Because it's all about him and not really about me. But yet he invites me to experience, to participate in, to be the recipient of the, the overflow of his love and his faithfulness in my life, which means my life has changed. It means your life has changed. It's made different. That's a good thing. See, he is faithful to his promise. Faithful to his covenant, he will not and does not break his promise. God is faithful to his word, which means we need to build that into our lives. And Irene brought something of that, of, of you know, speaking about the reality of the word of God coming into our life and situation. In fact, Father God is faithful to the faithless. And he is faithful to the failures. His love and his faithfulness is guaranteed towards you whether you feel on top of the mountain or whether you feel as though you're in the valley. Whether you feel as though that you are right up there, Mr. Super Christian, you know, you'll rip the shirt open, there's, there's a cape and there's an outfit that's there with Super Christian on it and maybe a cross, or whether you feel as though that you're the chief of sinners, the most miserable, hell-deserving on the planet because of how you've been living your life. His love and his faithfulness made real in Jesus whether we feel faithless, whether we feel failures, he is for us and he is with us. 
Father God, he is the great I am. But as we begin to, to, to praise him, we can begin to make some I am praise statements over our lives too. You see, the shepherd boy, warrior king, he began to understand that, that it wasn't based on all he did. God loved him full stop. Now, out of the receiving his love, our love for him, and then that should motivate our, 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 our actions, our behavior, our life, and our lifestyle, but we don't have a theology of works. We have a theology of grace, which means Jesus has done it all. Jesus has won it all. And we don't have to try and work harder to try and get God's attention. He loves you. But we still need to work. But we do it because we love him. The task becomes so much different. It flips on its head. It's the right way around. It's the way that it should be. It's an identity moment. Through his love and through his faithfulness, we begin to understand who he is, but also who we are and who we can be. I am loved by God. God's love is made available for my life every single moment of the day. And for my life, I mean our lives. It's not because it's Gordon and his pastor. It's for all our life. The faithfulness of God that we can sing of and speak of in our backstory, whether our backstory is two weeks, two months, two years, or two decades, or even longer for some of us. Just means we get more reasons to rejoice as we think of all the times and all the occasions where God has been there, he's been faithful, he hasn't left us, hasn't forsaken us, where he's brought us through some things, he's brought us beyond some moments, proved himself time and time again. I know that Samba's word that he was going to bring was all about King David and his life, so I'm not actually going to look back at King David's life because Samba's going to bring that word in a couple of weeks despite sickness or flesh or the enemy wanting to try and stop him bringing that word. In a couple of weeks' time, he's going to share that, and I'm sure you're going to be looking forward to that. But I want to make some I am statements that will fuel our hearts, that will help us understand what our reasons to rejoice are, that, you know, when it's not as easy... Because it's awful easy in a Sunday morning, isn't it? To go along with the crowd. When the band's bringing it in worship, when there's a swell of praise and hearts and the, the vocals are going and arms are raised and folks are raising their hallelujah, it's easy to get swept up in that. But I want you to be able to stand tomorrow. I want you to be able to stand when the phone call comes saying so-and-so is not well. I want you to be able to stand when the, when the, the problem comes, like King David, you say, when there's, there's opposition or pressure on the borders and the boundaries of your life. I want you to be able to stand and praise God. When there are supernatural forces that want to stop you, prevent you, I want you to be able to stand before God. When those moments when there's a little temptation that begins to come in, whether it's pride or, or position or whatever it may be, I want you to be able to stand and to worship God clean hands and pure heart. In order to do that every single moment of every day, we need to have our eyes on Jesus. We need to begin, a good place to begin to praise him for our love or for his love and for his faithfulness. And because of his love and his faithfulness, number one, that we can say with confidence that I am valued. Would you say that with me, church? I am valued. Do you believe it? Are you sure you believe it? really good. But do you believe it when hard times come? 
You see, do you know how much God values you? Turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Well-known words that we're often just used and as, as we're talking about mission, we're talking about reaching those with the good news who don't, don't know and haven't heard how good God is. Who don't know that Jesus died for them to take their punishment for all the wrong that they've ever done and that they can be forgiven of their sin and their past and of a future in God. Romans verse five, chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Heaven has demonstrated the level of worth that Father God places in you. Many of us know those scriptures. Many of us have heard those scriptures, but do we pause for a moment just to think of the fact of, of how much God values you. He gave his very only son. Often the world, whether it's the messages of the media that want to bombard us or social media, maybe it's people or even it's our past that wants to say, you're rubbish, you're worthless, no one cares about you, you'll never be able to achieve, you'll never be able to do, you've got nothing to contribute, who really cares about you? Well, I want to tell you this morning, God's opinion counts. And the world can be telling you one thing, but if we can tune our ear to the frequency of heaven, I tell you, we can overcome those challenges. We can deal with those lies and those falsehoods. We can stand strong in the things of God. God demonstrates his love. He gave his treasure. God took the initiative through the incarnation of Jesus, sending his one and only son into the world so that we could be forgiven our sin, so that we could be assured of a relationship with Father God and of being able to spend forever in heaven. I wonder right at the very start of our time of, of, in the Word of God this morning, do you know that? Have you experienced that piece of good news? Do you know that you're valued, that the opinion of the world is a, is a second-class opinion compared to God's opinion? Do you know that He loves you? Have you experienced that? Have you asked Him into your life? Have you asked them to forgive you of all the sin and all the wrong things that you've even ever done, said, thought? Because the second thing in beyond I am valued is I am forgiven. Would you say that with me, church? I am forgiven. Say it as though you mean it now. I am forgiven. John 3 and 16, we know it so well. If you've hung around church or, or life for any length of time. You know that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting life or eternal life, depending on which version you want to use. It's exactly the same thing. You're forgiven. You've got a hope. You've got a future. God makes a way for you to be forgiven of your sin. God makes a way for you to be able to spend forever with him. God makes a way for you to be able to with confidence step into life knowing that you are not alone, knowing that he is with you and knowing that he is for you, that he will strengthen you, that he will guide you, that he will help you, that he will empower you, that you can live a transformed life, an overcoming life, a life of faith and a life that's full of faith. Our rescue from sin cost God. Our forgiveness did not come cheaply. 
It's often been said, you know, to God, how much did you love me? And, you know, the old thing, and Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross. This much. I tell you, the Son of God came, stepped out of heaven, beaten, bruised, executed, nailed to a cross, crown of thorns on his head, a ripped open back, so that you could know your true worth and value, Father God. So that you could be forgiven. I don't know what the worst thing you've ever done, but whatever it is, you can be forgiven. The wrath and the judgment of God for every wrong, bad, evil thing that we could ever think, say, or do was poured out on Jesus on that cross. As he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In those moments, he became the sacrifice for our sin and he was a substitute for our sin. Anybody who's ever watched anything in sport knows what, the, what a substitute is. One who takes the place of another. I tell you, there was no linesman, no assistant referee standing with a, with a, a couple of numbers you know, in, in Jerusalem. Jesus was executed, but I want to tell you there was a substitution that was taking place. Because standing before God that we are sinners, deserving of his wrath, deserving of his judgment, but I want to tell you because Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God for our sin, for our wrong, for my sin, for my wrongdoing, then I stand forgiven because my faith and trust is in Jesus. I stand complete in the righteousness of Christ. It's right standing before God. It means that the bill has been paid of the debt that was outstanding over my life and over your life. I want to tell you, you are forgiven. He paid the price. He took your place. Now, I want to tell you that's worth praising him for, isn't it? Yeah. We praise him for his love. We praise him for his faithfulness. He's shown how much he loves us in Jesus coming and dying for us on the cross. Isn't it good news, though, to know that Jesus' death on the cross wasn't the end of it? He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He beat sin, hell, death, and the grave. And because of that, we can begin to, to say, I am, I am valued. I am forgiven. The next thing that I want to say to you is that I am not written off. Would you say that with me? I am not written off. Flick with me in your Bible to, to John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. I believe this is for somebody here this morning. John chapter 21. Disciple that didn't think he was deserving of anything in God. Somebody who walked close, close to Jesus, who made big statements about his life, but yet in a moment did the wrong thing. In a moment didn't step up to the plate and fulfill his pledges and promises before God. His name's Peter. Big disciple, one of the, one of the chief disciples, one of the ones who was closest to Jesus. And yet as Jesus was arrested, as Jesus was, was being tried and was going to be executed, Peter imploded in his faith, didn't he? He made some wrong statements. He made some wrong choices. He denied that he knew Jesus. You know the story, the cock, cockerel crowed three times and Peter went outside and he wept bitterly because he knew he'd let Jesus down. I think we've all been there if we're being honest, haven't we? We're amongst friends. Yeah. We've all been at that point. 
where we maybe said something, done something, you know, been involved in something where we think, oh, God can never use me again. That's it. Everything's a write-off. I can never do anything for the Lord again. Come on, let's read John 21, verse 15 to 19. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, that you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you're old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You are not written off. You are not written off. The Lord's love and the Lord's faithfulness is the, is the gateway to restoration and renewal and ministry and life and serving God. For all the things and all the moments that we'd want to, we would want to exclude ourselves that God actually wants to bring us back into a place and Jesus wants to bring us back into a place of service. A place of experiencing his affirmation. See, repentance is a beautiful gift, isn't it? Repentance is a moment of saying, God, I did wrong before you, and I am sorry. And the challenge to Peter came in that question, do you love me? Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than the next thing? Peter's failure didn't stop the availability of the love of God or stop the faithfulness of God towards him. Peter physically took a step away from Jesus with his actions, but also with his attitude. When things go wrong in life, when temptation or sin notches up one in the wind column of your life, when you all of a sudden feel whether it's guilt or shame or, or whatever, I can't be here, I can't do that, I'll never be able to, you know, you can fill your own end to that sentence, but most of us, if not all of us, have been there at some point. How could God love me? He does love you. Because his love and his faithfulness are never ending. And we may need to do some business with God. There may be a long road back to that place where we've maybe forfeited because of our, our actions or our sin that's there. But he does not write you off. In fact, he wants to write you in. You're invited into your future in God. Peter's failure didn't stop him. The availability of the love and the faithfulness of God was to there. It was almost as though sin, shame, and fear wanted to beat Peter up to a point, I've got it down here, as being like spiritual concussion where he no longer remembered the love of God, where he no longer remembered the faithfulness of God, where he could no longer remember who he was in Christ, where he thought that the love of God was situational and based on him, and it's not. It's based on the Lord. 
his love and his faithfulness. Step into your future in God today. You are not written off. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. Stop believing the, your flesh that, that just craves quietness and, and curling up into a little ball and going into survival mode. You are not written off in the things of God. Next statement that we can make over our lives, we think of the love and the faithfulness of God, says, I am established and I am empowered. Would you say that with me? I am established and I am empowered. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, I hope this is helping somebody this morning. That was your chance to say yes, pastor. I'm going to carry on regardless. You should know me better. <laughs> you might not need this today, but you may well need it tomorrow. If the sun's in the sky and the birds are, are, are singing sweetly in your life, you know, if, if, if your health's fine, if your relationships are fine, if, if, if the bills are being paid and it's all good and it's brilliant and it's wonderful, but there might come a time and there might come a point where you need to remember and praise God for his love and faithfulness. You need to begin to start by when everything comes against you saying, I am valued, I am forgiven. You begin to, to, to say that I'm not written off, that I am empowered and I am established. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, a very famous prayer that Paul the Apostle prayed. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Yeah. He's got the posture of praise, isn't he? Yeah. That prayer. For whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Who's up for some of that? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to think that Paul wants to get the church into their head and into their heart, into their experience, into the reality of their life, that their root is going to empower their fruit. That their root is going to empower their fruit. That the more that they're grounded in the love of God and in Christ Jesus, then the greater power that they're going to have to be able to stand and to live and to overcome. In just a couple of paragraphs down in the letter, because remember when Paul wrote this, there was no chapters and verses. It was one long flowing thought that, was, that Paul was going, you know, he's, he's going to ask them to be able, encourage them to be able to stand as we looked at last week thinking about spiritual warfare, those worshiping warriors. Putting on the armor of God after you've done all to stand. To stand. How can you stand? Rooted. Rooted in love. You know, these big redwood trees that are ghosts way up to, the high, up to the sky and up high. It's the roots that are down that enable them to stand. You guys all know that. You see, when you know, the trees that are able to, to stand in storms, roots that go down, trees that are living and alive, it's because the roots go down. Psalm 1 speaks about the blessed as the man. Describes him as being like a tree that's planted by a stream. 
whose leaves bear fruit in season. Why? Because he's nourished. The root is nourished. He's talking about the, the, the word of God there, getting the word of God into it. Paul is saying as our roots go down into the love of God and that's made real in Christ Jesus, that we're going to be able to experience some power. I tell you, the world needs a church of power. Not a church that's mad on power. <laughs> Plenty of that down through church history and that's failed. But a church that's operating in the, in the power of God. The dynamis of the Holy Spirit. The breath of God in and through their, their veins, in and through their lips, in and through their actions, in and through their, their deeds. The measure of His love in our life qualifies us to experience more of His power through our life. It enables us to experience more of His power through our life. It says, I am established in the love of God. Therefore, I am empowered by the Spirit of God to be able to try and work out the unworkable and un un unreachable dimensions of the love of God. That's me going, that's, that's my imaginary tape measure, by the way, that I'm trying to reel out to dimension the dimensions of how wide and how deep and high. It's, it's, it's not a very high, long tape measure, is it? Uh, yeah, thank you, Winifred. She just affirmed me, said, because my arms aren't very long. I ain't Mr. Tickle, what can I say? When was the last time you tried to work out the dimensions of the love of God? We're invited to. We're challenged to. And I bet you the more that we do it, the more that we discover how much he loves us. How much he's for us. How much Father God wants to help us. And the more that we think about the love of God and the faithfulness of God, I tell you, the closer to him we get. But the more empowered by the Spirit of God we, be, we begin to receive, that it then equips us to be able to stand when there's troubles and there's trials, but enables us to serve others because we've got a power. Because it's not up to me. It's not about me. But I become a channel of God's blessing and in God's love. I become a signpost that points to the Savior. But the reality is that I, as a believer, carry the reality of the kingdom of God in my life, on my lips, in my hands, with my feet, with my eyes, with my ears, with everything that I can be in every fiber and iota of my being. I'm established. I'm empowered. It enables me to be strong in his mighty power. Two more to go. Is that all right? Number, the next one says, number five, I think it is, says, I am a new creation with a ministry. Shout it out at me, church. I am a new creation with a ministry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 into 18. Paul is writing, giving a defense of his own ministry. And 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11 says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, to revere the Lord, to reverence him. We try to persuade men. We, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we're giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. For we are in a right mind. It is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one with a worldly point of view. 
Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we'd do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us, for we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. I want to tell you, the love of Christ raises the bar. I don't know if you've ever watched the high jump in the telly at athletics competitions or maybe been to athletics at some point yourself. Maybe in a former day you did some athletics and you did the kind of high jump. I struggled with the hurdles, but you know, never mind the, the, the high jump. I just flopped um, and crashed into the bar. But you know, they, they got over the bar and it gets raised one more time doesn't it? Another centimeter, it goes up and they're able to jump over that and then the bar gets raised. I want to tell you in this, these verses, Christ raised the bar because of his love. Because of his love. Because of his great love for us. We are compelled. Paul's context is in, in, his, in his mission, his ministry and his motivation. He's given a defense of these things before the, the, some folks in the Corinthian church that are having a week and a nyeh, 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 about Paul, that's Technical terminology that you learn at Bible college, by the way. Uh, you know, he's having those moments where, where there's a challenge, there's a difficulty that's there. Some folks are saying this thing about him. Some folks are saying that thing about him. Paul wants to give a, a, a defense of, of who he is. He wants it known that his, theirs, and ours is a ministry of reconciliation, of ourselves being reconciled to God, but reconciling others to God, of those who don't know how good God is. It becomes a mirror, and verse 15 begins to, to say that he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It becomes a mirror that says Jesus died for others. So as a believer, we should no longer live self-centered lives, but Christ-centered lives. It's as though he says you've got a new default. You've got a new factory setting. Now, it's actually a contradiction in terms to say you've got a new factory setting, a new default, because it's, it's built into the system that cannot be changed. But he, he, he says you've got a new factory setting, a new default, and it's in Jesus. Because he actually restores things to the way that it used to be between God and Adam, because Jesus is the second Adam, but at the risk of digressing slightly. But what Paul says, that in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come into our lives. We're a new creation. It means that the evidence of Father God's love, Father God's faithfulness in our lives is that the old is gone and that the new has come. Love in action, but also he loves it when we move out of his love in our actions. So you're going to live as a new creation. And last one, I am led by example. 1 John chapter 4 verses, uh, verses 7 to 17 reminds us at the core and the character of God is his love. God is love. God is love. You strip off everything and all of it away. God is love. What do we praise him for? Primarily for his love. 
His love made real in Jesus. A love that enables us to love others as he loved us. A love that makes us complete. A love that gives us confidence to stand in the day of judgment as verse 17 stands. You know, we don't stand in our own strength. We don't stand in our own actions. We stand before God in the day of judgment because of the love of Christ that caused him to come and to die. That causes us to be able to put our trust in him that we are recipients of that love, recipients of that grace, and therefore we know his goodness. We know the reality of heaven before we die, but we know the reality of heaven when we do die or when God come, Jesus comes back again. Jesus becomes our model, our, ex- to, our example to model, our target to aim for. I am led by the example of God. I'm led for the example of Jesus. His spirit within me will, will do everything that he possibly can to help me to live out of that love, to give praise to God for that love, to give praise for God for that faithfulness and allow those things to help me, to shape me, but also to get my eyes on Jesus. This perfect God love moment brings us back to a king who's on his knees worshiping out of overflow. With all the pressures, all the problems, all the difficulties, all the challenges, you know, and and pulls and draws that's on his life and on his time, here we have a king, but also a shepherd, a worshiper who is empowered to praise the Lord, regardless of the environment, regardless of the busyness, regardless of the audience, the opposition, or the challenges. As we, in a few moments, step out of these doors, Maybe grab a coffee and then head out the, 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 the glass doors and back out into our week. We do so with much to praise God for. But if all else fails and if everything comes against you, can I encourage you, church, to praise him for his love Hallelujah. and for his faithfulness? Come on, would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Worship team, do you want to come back, please? We're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to be included in that prayer, and, and that prayer may be in, in a couple of ways. One would be if you've never, ever put your trust and faith in Jesus, if you never experienced the love of God in your heart, never accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to be included in a prayer that would say yes to Jesus, invite him into your life, to guide and to lead your life for all of your days, all of your days all of your days. I'm also going to invite you to be included in a prayer if this morning you're saying, I've got so much to praise God for and you know what? I haven't been good at doing that. Maybe this morning you've been saying, my eyes have been on the things and the stuff, but this morning they're back on the love and faithfulness of God. Father, we just invite you to come at these moments and to make your word so very real in our hearts and lives. Lord, I believe this morning that as we've spoken words of scripture, that we've heard them with our ears, but we've also received them in our hearts. Father, I pray in these equipping moments for us as church. That we will be praising you for your love and for your faithfulness. 
Father, I want to pray for anybody in this place that has never said yes to Jesus. That maybe for the very first time in their life are experiencing the love of God. Are hearing for the first time that God loves them and that they are not written off. If that's you this morning, I would like to invite you to pray a prayer to God from your heart that says, Father God, thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that you are a loving God. Thank you that you place worth and value in me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that is in Jesus, your son, and as of right now, my savior. I am sorry for the wrong things I've done in my life for the sin that would cut me off from your love. But I thank you that through the Lord Jesus Christ that I am forgiven, that I am a new creation. And I choose today to live the rest of my life for you and with you praising you for your love, praising you for your faithfulness, experiencing that in my life. I just want to ask, while nobody's looking around, if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do a very simple thing, first of all. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Then in a few moments as I pray another prayer, invite people to come and maybe stand at the front and to receive prayer, I want to invite you to come to stand at the front amongst those who are coming. So this morning, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart for the very first time, you've never invited Jesus to be boss, to be Lord, to be Savior, to be your friend. Ask God to forgive you your sin and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to ask you, would you raise your hand this morning as a sign that says, Gordon, I prayed that and I meant it. Thank you, I see you raising your hand. Is there anybody else this morning? anybody else. Heaven is rejoicing. There's a party and celebration in heaven through those, a sinner who repents, the Bible says. Thank you. You can stick your hand down. Thank you. I see it. God bless you. I invite you to come forward in a few minutes along with others in the prayer ministry team. Church, I want to invite you to be in that place this morning. Maybe the love of God is been in the back burner and you need to sit some prayer for it to be in the front burner maybe you've heard the words this morning that you're you're valued that you're written in that you've got ministry opportunities that you're not written off by your past and you wrestle and you struggle with that and this morning some friends of mine from the prayer ministry team would love to be able to stand with you and just affirm you in the things of God to minister Father God's love or grace or maybe this morning you're saying do you know what I've been facing some things and I I just need to get strengthened in God. I want to be strong in God and receive some prayer. It's a good thing. It's a right thing. It should be a regular thing for us. So as we sing this next worship song, this closing worship song, if you need prayer this morning, I invite you to come. We stand at the front only because it's the, the, the safest, easiest place for folks to stand. Nothing special about the front. Just keeps the stairways and the doorways clear. 
but it's a place where you can meet with God's love and experience the reality of his faithfulness. So Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Words that trip so easily off our tongue, but this morning we are rejoicing and praising you. We want to use these as as weapons, Lord God, in our spiritual warfare. We want to use them as as a safe place, Lord, a strong place to stand and to build our life on, your love and your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the statements that we've declared over our lives because of your love and your faithfulness. And Father, I pray that you would help us to live with those statements, but live in your love and live as examples of what it is to serve a faithful God. Father, I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you